0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from FantasyFootballScout.co.uk. My name is David and today I'm joined by Mark for a roundup of the midweek matches, which we were thinking we'd probably do something on anyway. We've obviously had this planned in the diary, but all of a sudden those midweek matches, which of course were to do with the EFL Cup across Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, seemingly have obliterated all our FPL teams because we're now a flush with yellow flags. So uh, even more so than before, this is quite an important uh, check-in on uh, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, uh, ahead of that Saturday deadline coming up, isn't it, Mark?
0: Yes, yeah, and I'm sure we'll come on to the, the flags and the injuries later on, but it's, it's, yeah, it's certainly added to some of the earlier in the week issues around sort of Saka and Madison that the last thing we needed was more... And that's seemingly what's happened. So there's never really a quiet week in FPL.
1: Yeah, that very much is true. Uh, as Mark said today, we're going to talk about the injuries a little bit later. What we're going to do first is we are going to go through the results of the games, pick out any uh, line-up uh, pieces of interest, perhaps in terms of formations. Of course, there's a number of teams who would like to rotate a lot. Man City and uh, Brighton are among them, uh, for example. So we'll have a look at who played minutes uh, and in what positions, things like that. So we'll get, that was our plan anyway. But we've now obviously had to create an entire big section at the end of the video all about the injuries. So if you want some updates on those injured players that you may have in your team, then do stay tuned for that before we get any further Mark how many yellow flags have you got in your team when you woke up this morning I had four uh Madison Saka Chilwell and Botman are my flags what about you how are you faring
0: um well three yellow and I've also got Baldock which I guess is a shade of orange (laughs) so um and he's already dropped in price as well there's been so many annoying price drops um so I guess that counts as four i th- I think so, yeah, I mean at the very least you've got you've got a lot of the citrus
1: colours that's what we don't want those, we don't want citrus colours, we just want lovely and uh, bright green uh, for our players, but yeah alas, this is the situation we find ourselves in, and yeah, we will uh think well it also we should just say actually it does actually increase the importance of this week's press conferences as well, so people should definitely uh, stay tuned for those um it's gonna be a busy couple of days for the editorial team isn't it, mark. <laughs>
0: uh yes uh it, it, it normally is anyway It's so sort of, that's it, true it culminates at the end of the week but this time there will certainly be interest for sure in uh in certain popular players of this week
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, as Mark says there, uh, him and the rest of the editorial team are always busy. Uh, and that's one of the many reasons why we are very, very uh, appreciative of the fact that we have been shortlisted for the Best in Fantasy Football uh, in Editorial uh, at the Football Content Awards of 2023. So we're very, very appreciative of everybody uh, who uh, nominated us for that. Thank you very much for that. Um, if you'd like to vote for us to win that category at this year's awards, you can find a link uh, that will help you do that uh, in the description. And uh, any support that you guys uh, give, uh, throw our way, we, we massively, massively appreciate. It so thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, of course, uh, before we get uh, any further, we've got members' stuff to talk through as well. Uh, if you haven't sorted out your membership, get that sorted uh, for the new game week deadline, especially if you need like a ton of replacements for all your injured players. You can still save 30% uh, on those preseason prices. Uh, and finally, um, this video is uh, is brought to you by SmartKids.com. We've got a message from them, our sponsor. Uh, you can now um, back up your FPL selections by betting on this week's most notable players with them. It now allows you to bet on whether or not you think a player will. Will get more or less than a certain number of points for example this week if you think marcus Rashford will get more or less than 6.5 points then you can bet on this there are also head-to-head markets where you can bet on who you think will get the most points this week um, s markets fpl markets are unique and allow you to win while playing fpl and we know not everyone gambles and that's why um, we take it very seriously and on our website we have a filter where you can turn off uh, and opt out of gambling ads for those who do enjoy it do so responsibly and safely there's more info on Smarket's markets in the description you of course have to be over 18 to play and we encourage everybody to gamble responsibly and to be gamblerware.org. When the fun stops, stop. But as I always say, the fun in football never stops uh, when it comes to uh, reviewing FPL uh, talking points, especially when it comes from these midweek games that sometimes can give us a clue about uh, the upcoming game week. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus on that first and then we'll come to the injuries a little bit later. And so we'll start with Tuesday night's games and I'll just pick out the games that involve Premier League teams here. Um, We've got Exeter beating uh, Luton Town 1-0. So Luton are now out of the cup. Uh, Ipswich also beat Wolves 3-2. So we've had two Premier League teams humbled by um, lower league opposition. Um, We also saw uh, Manchester United uh, beat Crystal Palace by three goals to nil. I think that's... Oh, and we saw Swansea also win 4-0 at Salford. They're the five games from Tuesday night, so we'll start with Luton. Anything uh, of note here, uh, Mark, outside of the fact that, I suppose, um, yeah, we know now that Luton won't be involved in a blank or double game week around the time of the League Cup final, because they're out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, For Luton and Burnley, ahead of their double game week seven, they both made mass changes uh, for these Tuesday night matches, so uh, Burnley changed all 11. So, players like Players of FPL interest like Bayer and possibly even Amdouni, Um they they didn't start and Luton made 10 changes, only Alfie Doty was was the remaining one. So it certainly means that m- managers invested in Cabore or Calvin Morris, stuff like that. They had a uh, Carlton Morris had nothing to worry about here. Um neither neither started and Luton are out and Burnley won 4 0. Many, many changes and not much controversy, really. So no news is good news,
1: I think, is very much the the key line there, especially with that double game week coming up, that's for sure. Um, Did we see similar rotation uh, with Wolves? Is that perhaps the reason why they they lost? I mean, to be fair, Ipswich are very much on the up. They um, gave Plymouth Argyle quite the run for the League One title last season and are already on the promotion charge once again in the Championship. So they are a very informed team. Was this a case of the first eleven getting uh, undone by a team with a lot of momentum or did they also um, sort of throw this game... Well sorry, I don't want to accuse Wolves of throwing games. <laughs> I know that Sir Alex Ferguson had an issue with that a number of years ago uh, with Wolves specifically but as in have they sort of leaned towards more Premier League focus and, and and rotated for this game as well.
0: There's a lot of changes here for Wolves there was. Yeah um there was no start for Jose Sa, Pedro Neto or Cunha up front. The name of them started. Cunha did come on uh, from the bench but um it was still a a decent enough 11 there was those was names like Huang who scored um sort of Sarabia Hugo Bueno totti Gomez also scored Matt Doherty a right back but um yeah that that was another lineup that was heavily changed and it it went they went two nil ahead so it looked like it was going to work but then but then a comeback win eliminated
1: wolves. Ah, There we are. That certainly makes a lot of sense. They very much need to focus on their Premier League survival more than a cup run this season, uh, that's for sure. Um, A team that probably would quite like to focus on a cup run this year is probably Manchester United because with, of course, the best of respect to the Red Devils, the EFL Cup perhaps one of their best possible chances of winning a trophy, especially as Man City are now out of the competition. Um, There were changes here from what I can see, but uh, by the looks of it um less so than crystal palace who rotated a little bit more perhaps that's the story of why united uh, won this game
0: 3-0 possibly yeah. both both sides had sort of notable um fpl names not not take part so for manchester united bruno fernandes and marcus rashford were both unused substitutes and there were sort of names like uh, mason mount was back from injury in the lineup onana started in goal so, sort of Varane, the lot, they all uh, began. And the halftime removal of um, Mason Mount, it sounded prearranged, going from Ten Hag's post match quotes. So, so there shouldn't be any concern there. Um, so, yeah, owners of Rashford and Fernandez have nothing to worry about. They should be fully rested for the weekend. As for Palace, um, well, first of all, Edward, Oddson Edwards. I quite liked him as a cheap forward option, but um, he picked up a hamstring injury at the weekend, and it, it, it was enough to keep him out of this this match. And they also benched Eze and Mark Guehi They both came on, but uh, Anderson, the other centre-back, didn't come on. So even there, there was a few changes going on there, and it was a fairly solid 3-0 win for Man United in the end. Mm.
1: From what I've seen, it sounds as if Mason Mount was very much uh, instrumental uh, in that first half, played very well, had some good numbers. And so while there's probably not all that much interest in him specifically as an asset, um, of course, continues to be interest in Rashford and Fernandes. People had felt like United were lacking a little bit of a spark, a little bit of a control in the field, I suppose. Uh, Mount coming back, probably just about boosts Rashford and Fernandes' ongoing output, would you say?
0: It could be seen in in both ways, really, but yeah, um certainly at, at the start when Mount was in the lineup, Fernandez wasn't yet delivering, but the underlying numbers were good, and but then on the other hand if if, if Mount plays well, the team plays well, and if the team plays well, they're more likely to score goals. Mm. It could be seen either way.
1: Yeah, Sofian Amrabat also involved as well. He played at left back, which is really interesting. I mean, primarily he is a midfielder, but again, him also being able to get involved as well um, is also a good thing uh, for United, probably, involved as well.
0: Yeah, um, if they can build on that one nil win at Burnley, which which where the result was what mattered really, um, that win, this win, getting players into the lineup like Amrabat and, and Mount back you, you would think um, that they might be turning a corner perhaps at a good time, but uh, we've probably said that before and it hasn't <laughs> quite happened. So. Yeah, very true. What I love most about this
1: actually is one of those, I, I swear this always happens. It's like the football gods have a little bit of a, um, they just like this and they kind of want to see it as often as they can, where you have a cup game between two sides three to four days before the two teams meet in the Premier League or vice versa, they meet in the Premier League and three to four days later, there they are meeting in the Cup. And it's it's the same thing. So this is, in many respects, a dry run uh, for this weekend's game between the two sides in the Premier League. But of course, you know there is um, there was quite a lot of rotation. So arguably, it's, it, it is a totally different uh, fixture. But yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd point that out. They, they've had a chance to have a look at each other in some respects. And as you say, good news for United to at least have those guys back uh, that is uh, for sure I think that's everything that's non-injury uh, injury related from Tuesday night's games um, it was sort of more to do with performance and lineups and formations and things like that uh, so let's move on to Wednesdays because I know that certainly of the games we just talked about there there were a couple of injuries that are of note but yeah Wednesday night a little bit busier for the Premier League teams we saw uh, Aston Villa lose 2-1 at home to Everton who have now got two wins on the bounce in all competitions all of a sudden uh, we saw Bournemouth beat Stoke 2-0 at home uh, Brentford lost 1-0 at home to Arsenal. Arsenal, uh, Chelsea finally got themselves a goal in the month of September, uh, and uh, beat Brighton one nil. Fulham beat Norwich two one. West Ham won one nil at Lincoln City. Uh, Liverpool beat uh, former Premier League side Leicester three one. And that aforementioned game between Newcastle and Man City went the way that Mark here was was hoping for. So. um I mean that's probably the biggest game the the one of most interest from Wednesday night in terms of you know accurately predicting man city lineup. So um how much involvement did we see for the key assets in in, in that one and um w- well there were some injuries here which we will come on to talk about in a minute but um yeah what was the what was the story of this game outside of the
0: injuries? Um in many respects it was sort of almost like the reserves Match between the two sides because Newcastle, for example, changed all of the back four. Um, so owners of sort of Trippier, Botman, Cher, Burn, um, didn't think there'd be anything to worry about, and um, because they completely changed the bat line and they managed to keep a clean sheet against Man City. Tino Livramento was particularly brilliant, and uh, that was sort of his first start for the club, and he just looks like a brilliant purchase. To have two right backs of that quality is sort of a surreal feeling at Newcastle after, after many years of um Paul Dummett at centre back of course and yeah further upfield it was just sort of it was just a matter of sort of starting Isak over Wilson. That's always sort of interesting to see whose turn it is next, trying to get clues for the weekend. Because um Harvey Barnes we already know is going to be out for a while with an injury. It was sort of a relief to see Joe Linton come back from injury. So it's sort of one in, one out. And as for Man City, the main thing is that Julian Alvarez started and played, I think it was 74 minutes. Um, And so that, that could be seen in a couple of ways. Firstly, if he's played 74 minutes, is it his turn to sit out at the weekend, but also when they were chasing an equalizer, they took him off. Pep took him off. So you could see that as, well, he's prioritizing Wolves. A game where Alvarez is planning to start. So it could be seen in either way. Haaland was unused. And then there were names like Edison, Carl Walker, Ruben Diaz, Doku and Foden all on the bench. Yeah, and it was Foden that came on for Alvarez actually uh, in
1: what continues to be a bit of an annoying uh, little FPL thing and that a lot of people had Foden, got rid of him, got Alvarez and then in the most recent Premier League game that was when Foden finally got himself a goal and Alvarez didn't. Um, so yeah, a little bit of uh, more, the FPL gods are having a bit of a laugh at us this morning that Alvarez was in fact replaced by Foden. The other way you could look at it We always try and second-guess Pep, right? But he's chasing the game and he takes Alvarez off and brings on Foden. So could you turn around and invent a narrative of, oh, he prefers Foden again? Because one thing that we know about Pep is he is changeable. And I don't mean that to suggest that he's not sure of himself because he, of course, is a multi-time Premier League winner and, of course, a Champions League winning manager with Man City as well now. Um, I guess it's just there's some information there, but we are still at
0: Pep's mercy, right? Yeah, Pep just seems to like dip in and out of his opinions on players. He'll really like a player for, for a period of time and then it'll be sort of a different shiny toy. And I'm sure there's more logic to it than, than just that. Um, but now that Jack Grealish is back, you're right. That that, that Foden for Alvarez change could be seen in a couple of ways. And yeah, could, could it mean he's been rested for Wolves or does it mean that he's maybe lost a little bit of not faith, but it's, it's somebody else's turn. And, and Grealish got all 90 minutes of that match, so he's back now. Foden's come on and he scored the winner. Haaland is Haaland. Um, Pep Roulette is a horrible game to guess. And he said the other week that Alvarez was almost undroppable. Um, if he could sort of give a similar out-of-character clue like that, it would be really nice. The problem is, whenever he says that about players,
1: a couple of weeks later, he's like... He's on the bench. Um, Or or in some cases, three months later, he's all of a sudden on loan at Bayern Munich. So, like, um, who knows? Who knows, to be honest. So, yeah, Um, there's a little bit more. We can be a little bit more short, I think, about uh, players such as Walker and Diaz. I think them not playing uh, is is, is helpful. Uh, Kanji Gvardiol and Ake were the the back three for the game. Uh, Ake got 68 minutes Replaced by Nunez and then Gvardiol and Akanji played the whole game. So uh, whilst that's probably a bit annoying for Gvardiol and Akanji owners, at the very least if you've got Diaz or Walker, you'd probably expect them to come back in uh, for the yeah, the Wolves game because they have they have had their full rest in this one. Uh, neither of them yeah played as you mentioned earlier. So slightly more we can glean about defense probably than attack going into game week uh, seven. The other
0: thing the other thing of note is that um sort of saying on twitter that because man city are now out of this and brentford are also out um from before uh, it could potentially open up a gap for their postponed game um do you know how in game week 18 we already know that that match is off because yeah. of the club world cup uh, it, it seems like a, there's a nice little place for that to go in game week 20 there could be a double game week 20 not that it's confirmed yet but for those who are uh, who like to think in advance about a chip strategy uh, that would give um harland a double game week at home to sheffield united and brentford so it if be interested to see how that develops certainly um maybe keep your triple captain chip <laughs> in the pockets uh That's just sure. in case something like that does emerge
1: and possibly also the wildcard as well because the uh because game week 20 if it were to land in that slot as i said this is all hypothetical but it's nice to discuss potential ideas here um game week 20 is the last time you can use that final wildcard that because the deadline is the 30th of december um 1 p.m as things currently stand but that may shift uh with the movement for games for television but either way that's That's the final one you can use it and had already been some people looking at perhaps dead ending their team into uh, one of those game weeks getting rid of those man city players knowing that you can immediately wildcard well not immediately a couple of game weeks later wildcard them back in uh, for uh, for game week 20 if that ends up being a double as well that that strategy becomes even more attractive to be honest so yeah it's definitely worth keeping an eye on what happens there as you say brentford also out of the competition uh, as well so let's let's move to uh, to london then um where um yeah brentford of course hosted arsenal uh, on wednesday night a 1-0 win uh, for arsenal what was the what was the story of this game how much were these two teams going for it how much uh did we see rotation um i'm a little bit nervous about uh the fleck republic which of course we got the man who came up with that term with us right now um even though people keep associating it with me because i've got fleck in, i owe that moniker to uh to to the man i'm 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 in the virtual studio with today so i have a lot of interest in the brentford defense so yeah some some thoughts on this game if if yeah well, yeah that's the
0: thing you're, you're the one with Flecken and I, I've never had him so <laughs> it sort of it doesn't feel right does it he did, it was a strong Brentford 11 actually and um, they really they, they did go for it sort of M- Mbuemo and Vissa got all 90 minutes uh, Flecken as well it was it was a strong lineup all throughout the, the only notable absentee apart from sort of the injuries we already know about Rico Henry and stuff like that um, Ben May um, might be out for a couple of weeks or so with a muscle uh injury. But apart from that, just looking at the lineup here, it, it was a strong one. They they went for it but still couldn't um get past Arsenal, the the Reese Nelson goal. Arsenal were a little bit more uh rotated, so they opted for Ramsdale in goal over David Rea. Um which could sort of add further to the thought that it might be his now. It might be his shirt now, David Rea um sacker wasn't in the squad because he has already been um told by arteta that it's a possibility that he won't be there for bournemouth but um in terms of sort of non-injuries in the lineup there was a slight odegaard cameo at the end jesus came on as well but there was no trossard or martinelli or Detlin rice at all they'll also be assessed so the arsenal squad was more rotated than brentford but there were still a couple of sort of notable names throughout the squad. So, Gabriel, uh, Ben White, Havertz all started.
1: Hmm. I think, yeah, I do think the most concerning thing here for those who are wavering on Brentford is the fact that they weren't very full strength here at home um, against an Arsenal team that, yeah, contained, you know, some players that some managers may not have even heard of. Um, Arsenal fans, I'm sure, have um, heard of, you know, Sago, I think that's how you say it, or Sago. Uh, but the fact that they couldn't actually get past that team is mildly concerning, I guess. Uh, I mean, the back four was uh, Kivior, Gabriel, Tomiyasu, White, and then Ramsdale. And Go- it's not, They're no slouches, that's for sure. But um, to not score at home, get dumped out of the cup with a relatively strong 11, I don't know, that might just add to people's concerns about Brentford. They very quickly have gone from a team that's super informed because Boma Mbem- uh, had been kind of lighting the league up and all of a sudden now they're a team that haven't won at home this season uh they won one of their first six games i think it is six points from six matches and they're in the bottom half of the table and very very quickly they've become an underperforming team um and
0: and i guess this result may
1: well add to people's view on that
0: yeah that's right and they do have a decent looking game coming up against Nottingham forest but it's um maybe that's not maybe instinctively we think that but forest aren't a bad side to be mm. fair, so if, if Mbwemo, uh blanks again, that could put him on people's chopping blocks because it's a time where fixtures are changing. There are fixture swings coming up. And I think if, if Mbwemo and Vista sort of um, blank again, that, that could lead to a lot of transfers out. Mm.
1: Yeah, certainly a lot of interest, uh, for example, in West Ham midfielders who would be a fairly simple straight swap for in Burmo in some in some scenarios depending on cash in the bank for example mm-hmm. so yeah you're right it could be um yeah it could all contribute towards that that big swing um, of transfers
0: yeah it moves to Diaby yeah, I think Villa from game week nine That's have true. a nice run as well so it, it could sort of naturally lead to that that sort of switch
1: mm. well let's uh move to uh, Diaby's club then let's talk about Aston Villa and Everton now uh, I kind of imagine that probably people aren't interested in Everton players yet <laughs> they might be they might be at some point I mean um, Decoré in particular was very good at the weekend um, Aston Villa have been very informed this season they didn't really need a result out of this one and I think that's largely reflected in their starting 11 but there was a couple of key names uh, I could see Cash and DRB in the starting 11 but from what I can see from the BBC it looks like John McGinn played left back so I mean does that <laughs> firstly is that true <laughs> secondly um you know uh have villa sort of you know uh rolled out a couple of changes here with the view of we're gonna focus on the league in europe possibly
0: yeah it's, it's already they've already been stretched a little bit further with europe so a, a couple of one would maybe take that a bit further yeah McGinn, McGinn did uh did start a left back but then it there was well, there was a 31st minute substitution because of, uh, cause of uh, an injury. But then there were three half time swaps where Lucas Digne did come on and Ollie Watkins came on as well. So I think Emery sort of went for it a bit more in the second half with his lineup, but it still wasn't quite enough to overcome Everton. You're right. Ever- Everton are sort of, they've got two really good home games coming up right now. But the problem is, like, even, even Calvert Lewin, so he, he scored at the weekend, he started here, scored here but do we know yet that he's sort of match fit enough to be starting consecutive matches and you know he, he could, could be a decent punt up front but um there's just that little bit of uncertainty over his um game time really and then elsewhere yeah the Jordan Pickford owners have not enjoyed their season so far so I'm not going to start promoting him
1: <laughs> that's probably that's probably fair on Calvert-Lewin actually they are still managing his minutes aren't they because I've just seen these he played 72 minutes in this um had- having his minutes managed there uh but yeah the Everton lineup is very strong um for them that is uh you know that is fairly close to their first team Jack Harrison getting involved now as well I mean I, I actually think he's a fantastic signing I was quite surprised Everton were able to secure him to be honest I think I I would have assumed that um, no disrespect to the Toffees bigger clubs or perhaps clubs in a better moment as football managers often describe uh, form I thought maybe one of them might be able to pick him up because he is very good so him uh, being able to come into this game uh, play 65 minutes as well I think that that probably bodes well moving forward so owned him a couple of times when he was at Leeds in recent years Um, I certainly quite uh, quite like what he can bring to the table so the fact that he's yeah Starting to get some minutes now. Uh, It's definitely something uh, of note. Uh, no involvement in either of the goals uh, in a direct sense, but yeah, I think him playing in that team is definitely going to benefit them uh, moving forward. Let's move to Bournemouth now. Tuna went win over Stoke. Um, the biggest news here is probably the injury, which we will come to, we do promise. But was there anything else uh, of note here? I guess more interest in who their next opponents are rather than necessarily uh, Bournemouth themselves.
0: Yes, yeah, the... As I said, there's only there was only one Premier League side in this match and, and Bournemouth don't have a lot of FPL investment uh, normally anyway. So there wasn't a lot of, of note really apart from that one of the new sign-ins, Tyler Adams, was um, in the squad for the first time. He, he came on off the bench actually as well. So he um, he could be coming in the, in the proceedings. And they do have um, pretty okay fixtures coming up, I think, if that's what you were referring to.
1: Well, uh, after the Arsenal game.
0: Yeah, sorry, I should have been more clear. Uh, I think people are probably interested in the
1: state of Bournemouth, perhaps, for their Arsenal players. And then maybe after that, they can maybe offer some differential uh, potential. But
0: yeah. Yeah, because after. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, for for those with Arsenal assets, uh, defenders in particular, they they, they sort of might be feeling a bit more confident for this now. But Bournemouth did win 2 0. Solanke scored uh, one of them. So it's a bit. They needed that confidence boost in win because it hasn't been a great start for them so far. But certainly opponents will be targeting them over the upcoming weeks. Mm, that's for sure. Well, uh, speaking of another team that desperately
1: needed a win, uh, Chelsea finally got a result that they can be happy with, which was uh, against Brighton as well. So that's a team that uh, are no slouches. Um what we, what do we see here? Do we see a lot of rotation? I mean, these are two teams that have been guilty of rotation in the last couple of weeks. Uh, an opportunity to to look at them ahead of Game Week 7 is probably
0: useful. What did we
1: see in the way of uh, lineups and approaches here?
0: Yeah, so Chelsea and Brighton, their sort of names just... You can't say one without the other these days, can you? The, the amount of um, involvement, involvement they have in each other's lives. And Chelsea... Oof, where to begin with Ben Chilwell. He d- he did start here, in fairness, and I guess we'll come back to him later. Um, it was it was a pretty changed eleven. There was only uh cameos for Sterling and Enzo Fernandez, so that they, they did come on later on to see out the win. But there were sort of new names in the lineup, like Kukurea and um, was was given a start. Ian Matson, Cole Palmer, they all got the nod here. Uh, De Sassi and Levi Colwell both got the whole 90 here. So Colwell owners in particular, there could be a slight chance, could be a slight concern, but probably not considering Gusto is suspended now. So um, they'll probably just line up differently there. Sanchez got the nodding goal. As for Brighton, it was another start for Estepinian and he got all 90 minutes as well. So he, he played for Brighton last Thursday in the Europa League sunday in the premiership got all 90 minutes here at chelsea uh, for, for a rotating manager like deserve that could be a concern because yeah. um his rotation his mass rotation is totally working not last night but in, in terms of the league and stuff it just you can't even tell sometimes that i mean what what even is their second 11 who, who knows anymore but the worst starts for João pedro Matoma started again and um, dunk on the bench No Evan Ferguson at all. And Pascal Gross is expected to be out until the national break. So there are a few changes there. For those keeping tabs of Brighton's goalkeeper rotation, it was Bart Verbruggen who started this match. So does that mean Steele gets the nod at the weekend? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows, yeah. It's kind of the same as Pep,
1: to be honest, but arguably worse because, yeah, De Zerbe has been very keen on his rotation this year. I think the most frustrating thing for me out of this game, Nicholas Jackson. All oh, right, Now to score now, don't you, mate? fine. <laughs> Finally got himself a goal when a lot of us have been waiting a very long time. This always happens, though. This always happens. You get an underperforming FPL asset that, like everybody owns and then they go and get the goal in the competition that technically, to you, as an FPL manager who doesn't support Chelsea, means nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah exactly Nicholas Jackson. First of all I, I, I keep saying his name and I think of that outcast song. No sorry Miss Jackson. Oh right yeah. <laughs> and he's he is making a lot of daughters cry and and <laughs> people cry in general because he is so frustrating. Of course he was going to score last night. Of course he was. He's he's 5 of his 6 games have ended with one point. He's got himself suspended. And he scores last night and had one ruled out as well. So it could have been a brace uh
1: what a what a troll <laughs> <laughs> he joins a, a very long list of Chelsea strikers who that effectively is simply their role in our lives uh, sadly so yeah twas ever thus with uh, Chelsea strikers unfortunately Um, let's uh, let's move on to the final three games it's just yeah we'll we'll try and sort of uh, rattle through these nice and quick uh, so we can get on to those all important injuries because that of course does involve Chelsea and Brighton as well Fulham West Ham and Liverpool Uh, Fulham beat Norwich 2-1 West Ham won 1-0 away at Lincoln and Liverpool saw off former Premier League opposition in Leicester 3-1 at Anfield Uh, anything in particular from from these games that's uh, of note or was there mass rotation across
0: all uh, for Fulham, Raul Jimenez missed out completely. There was there was no uh, start for Andreas Pereira either. And they got that 2-1 win. West Ham uh, made 10 changes from the weekend. So there was sort of no Areola or Bowen or anything like that. I think it was only Suchek who kept his place. So that that was uh, almost irrelevant from an FPL perspective. Um, they all mostly kept their place. As for Liverpool, there was no Salah, Allison, Robertson in the squad. On came Darwin Nunez and who's His goal his goal was very nice to watch. It just had a nice feel. I think it made a nice noise as it went. <laughs> in as well. it was, it was, um, when the goal makes a noise, it should be like an extra yeah. bonus for the, that. The um, whip of the net and the rattle of the bottom bar
1: that weights down the net. That's the noise, isn't it? That's, that's the one. Of, it, and there's a little crack as well as it goes in. Oh, what a sound
0: yeah and if it's close enough to the tv mics as well it's 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 just a perfect combination really so um so yes that was great from obviously more Salah is rested and fine for the weekend and the continuing debate about darwin nunez like he could be a brilliant option but you just don't know um when he's going to start because Gakpo scored tonight jota scored like uh, last night jota scored as well they've still got sort of four names to fit into two slots alongside Salah, and that damages Darwin's appeal, unfortunately. He
1: continues to be something of a chaos machine. But nothing has unleashed chaos on FPL managers this week like injuries have. And we've been sort of uh, putting it off. Um, Apologies for that. We wanted to just cover some of the other bits of pieces before we get to the real nitty-gritty stuff of the injuries that have arisen from the midweek games. I can't remember a set of midweek games like this. I mean, we've even got, with one team, six injury updates from one club. It's absolutely nuts. So we'll we'll start off with the sort of the laundry list outside of the big ones and then we'll get to the big, big ones in, in a sec. So first off, United uh, Ericsson uh, and McTominay missed the game uh, both of them because of illness uh, which probably um, you know just opens up a world for Mason Mount to start you would imagine game week 7 uh, in central midfield which is quite quite useful uh, Crystal Palace uh, Riel uh he uh, got he had to come off in this game uh, and uh, Roy Hodgson said that he wasn't sure whether he was affected by cramp or a muscle issue so that's something just to keep an eye on if you're interested in the Palace midfield uh, but Dean Henderson uh, taken off with a muscle injury in this game uh, assessment will follow so continued useful information not that we wish injuries on anyone but this one actually is useful if you've got johnston right
0: yes it's sort of a little bit of relief um from an fpl perspective not real life injury perspective um and for those who are looking to wildcard, card it sort of does open up that sort of option of having a johnston Ariola rotation because there were there was just too much uncertainty when when both were fit but um if it depended on how bad the injury is if, if that's a as Johnston for a while that's a good 4.5 option. Hmm. And with it being a muscle-related
1: injury, it will, they'll probably take a lot more precautions around it if it were, unless it was like a knock or an impact, for example. So it could potentially lead to a, a few weeks of, of Johnston. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, elsewhere, we got uh, Bailey and Ramsey added to the injury bands injury and bands list on the Fantasy Football Scout website. Um, with Bailey, muscle injury. Um, he had to limp off with what looked like a muscle injury, and uh, with Ramsey, um, he actually missed the game against Everton with a small injury. Um, probably not uh, massive from an. Episode perspective as long as we can keep drb RB uh, involved i think fpl manager is going to be happy um uh, you know there's a loss of, of one guy can play on the wing which maybe uh, helps cash uh, get back there potentially uh, in game week 7 for example so it, again that's more what those injuries are more what they potentially unlock uh, for others elsewhere um, and then the same really with Solanke so Solanke uh, swollen ankle in this game came off against Stoke manager says it will be difficult for him to be involved against Arsenal um, th- there's not that many people interested in Solanke although we did already mention that the fixtures are going to turn for him at some point and I'd sort of forgot. I double checked early on he's actually scored three goals so far this season mm-hmm. so maybe at some point we're interested but again this one is quite key for that Arsenal clean sheet if you've still got an Arsenal defender or goalkeeper then the bomb of losing probably losing Solanke for this one is is, is quite huge so it does sort of um, put some faith back into the Arsenal clean sheet uh, credentials for game week seven
0: yeah I was just starting to over the week just starting to warm to the idea of Solanke which was just about a uh... Write a bit about him um, on a piece on Jackson alternatives because uh, he's, as you say, he's on three goals. He is the forward with most inbox touches so far as well. And from game week eight, yeah, the fixtures do get quite nice immediately. Everton, Wolves, Burnley. So was definitely thinking that as a like a good differential option. But then, but then it, the quote afterwards sounds like he has hurt a bit. So sort of nips that in the bud.
1: Yeah. Or or to be fair, if we can get him back for game week eight, then maybe things are okay. So yeah, it's one just to keep an eye on. Don't mm. forget about Solanke, basically. like He's been overlooked quite a lot. But yeah, uh, only f- I think the sixth highest points amongst all forwards. He's got 30, uh, 29 so far. Only only Watkins, Edouard, Alvarez and Haaland are the ones ahead of him. And Bournemouth's is haven't been nice. So yeah, when they do turn, if he's fit could be worth looking at but for now hopefully it just boosts the Arsenal clean sheet potential for those who are still invested in the Gunners back line let's move on to the big ones now because we boy have we got some big ones now so let's talk about Chelsea first um a lot of people don't have Chilwell anymore but some people myself included held on to him in the hope of um potential uh involvement in these Fulham and Burnley games probably unlikely that he's going to be involved now uh, we've got a tweet here uh, which has been out on the scout um, uh, social feeds this morning Liam uh, Toomey I think that's how you say it Pochettino said Chilwell picked up a hamstring injury and needs to be assessed uh, he also said Maduake uh, wasn't injured tonight he just wasn't selected and we actually are very lucky enough to actually have had our own man in the stands in actual fact uh, at uh, the Chelsea game um, one of our members of staff is a Chelsea fan and was, was there um, and the first hand info that we got was uh, he went for a sprint fell over in a shoulder-to-shoulder, immediately signaled to the bench that he needed to be subbed off and walked off unaided. Uh, injury was obviously bad enough that he couldn't play on because they didn't have any subs left. So Chelsea actually did finish this game with only 10 men on the pitch. It was in the 97th minute, so it sounds like, you know, they're able to get through that. But yeah, Pochettino now saying hamstring injuries and um, if a hamstring injury needs assessment, like, that's probably not looking good for game week seven, is it? So those who have held on in the hope that he comes back into the team for the Fulham game, oh, yeah, not looking
0: good, right? Been a real, he's one of several Chelsea players. That it's been a roller coaster ride with already, and yeah, it just as talk was gathering that hey, if you haven't sold him yet, you may as well keep him for Fulham. Gusto suspended, so he's probably at left back. But then he gets, then he hurts his hamstring here, so it's just we don't know, um, and we have just got to blatch on to whatever Pochettino says pre match, really. Mm. We are very much
1: at his mercy, as we are with many other fantasy... Well, actual real Premier League managers were at their mercy as fantasy managers. Now, another manager who we're all going to be hanging on his every word for Game Week 7 is your boy, uh, Eddie Howe, because he unleashed a absolute laundry list of injuries for Newcastle. It was like, a, you know, that sort of... Um, that meme of like and there's an injury for you and an injury for you and an injury for you (laughs) (laughs) and another thing and another oh and by the way this guy's injured too I think it was six in total so yeah Wilson and Botman I think are the sort of um the ones we've got a quote on on the screen so Callum's got a bit of hamstring tightness that's why he wasn't involved at all tonight says Eddie Howe we'll see how he is for the weekend Sven's got a bit of a knee problem again we'll see how he is for the weekend so they're the top two but there's four others Mark I mean just wow
0: what a week yeah Yeah. that that meme does seem quite fitting for it it's it's just i don't know about you but i had the feeling the more names that eddie house said the least truthful it was like (laughs) if he's just saying names for the sake of it is he does he just not like saying rotation because it's fine to say that if you if you wanted to just rotate your side in a cup game. You are allowed to say that. You don't have to make up injuries for your players. But um, I think he has sort of, he kind of has done this before, I think when he's um, fired off a few training ground knocks and then they were fine by the weekend. So as a, as a bottom and owner really, really hold that's the case again. Um, so if you mentioned both strikers, didn't he, Isak and Wilson, um, you, I think one of them would just about make it for the weekend, you would imagine. Um, yeah, it's hard to say because Harvey Barnes did get a, a real injury um, at the weekend, which is going to keep him out for months, apparently. Um, so you'd like to think that that just made how extra precocious about it and that these injuries are really are just knocks and they could be back for Burnley. But at the same time, after Burnley, it's Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League. So could he sort of, if there was any 50-50 doubt towards the likes of Botman or Wilson or Isak, then could the squad depth ensure that he could get away with not playing them against Burnley? It's There's a bit of nervousness, definitely, for sure. Mm. Let's hope that by Friday, there's some miraculous recovery. <laughs> Yeah, we really need uh, that
1: next press conference from Eddie Howell to be uh, yeah really useful. Yeah, the, f- the full list is, as you said, Botman. Um, knee issue is what we're being told. Um, Bruno Gimaraes um, suffered a twisted ankle against Man City, apparently, but carried on playing. Um, so that's what we've been told um, in, the, in the media. Uh, Dan Byrne missed this game due to illness, as did Dubravka. Uh, it's possible there's a couple of bugs going around because there's a couple of teams where a player missed because of an illness. Um, probably the same one. They perhaps infected each other. Um, So those two sound less serious. I had been thinking of maybe replacing Chilwell with Dan Byrne this week, and I may now have to if I want to remain invested in the Newcastle defence because between those two, Byrne probably more likely to come back in if he's only been ill compared to Bottman, might have some ankle complications. Um, And then, yeah, Isak substituted in the EFL Cup game against Man City. Uh, Because of calf tightness. And yeah, we've already covered Callum Wilson uh, as well. Hamstring tightness for him. Missing that game. So... Oh Yeah, we really do need to uh, keep an eye on those uh, next press conferences. Um, And yeah, so if you're not already aware, of course, every Friday uh, at three o'clock, we have uh, our uh, our editor, uh, Neil, who, of course, uh, is one of the the many people that sits in on these press conferences, um, getting all of that information, uh, joined by Joe, who will go through all of the team news as we know it on Friday. So this week more than ever, I mean, I'm hoping that's going to be our most watched video of the week because it's going to have to be. We're all sat here wondering what to do. And at the beginning of the week, I was hoping to roll my transfer. I've now got four flags. I mean, if it gets any worse, I mean, I've got a stupid as well who played the whole game. So, I mean, he's kind of like a rotation threat. There's, I, I might be forced into a wild card that I really don't want to play because I've been very vocal about the fact I really want to hold it. So there's going to be a lot of interest in that team news video, uh, isn't there, Mark?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking the same earlier. A game week seven wild card wouldn't be ideal because the fixture swings just aren't quite right. Like if, if you could put it off a week or two weeks. Yes, but it just doesn't quite fall for seven. So I would hate to be forced into it, but you just don't know. Um, There's so many questions. And yeah, that would be a video that's essential viewing, really, because there are so many questions. Yeah, so many
1: questions. An absolute minefield. We all now live in a yellow flag submarine, unfortunately. So, yeah, you fingers also, crossed. There
0: was also um Nicholas Jackson as well. Did you see? Of
1: course, of course. Yeah, sorry. Not, the, take not us that
0: <laughs> he's suspended anyway um for the weekend but even here i mean this guy <laughs> um <laughs> he was spotted wearing a wrist strapping after the game so he's, he's suspended he finally scored and now he's wearing a wrist strapping he just he just can't keep away from from the drama can he Goes he just he her. really doesn't want to play the next game
1: he just he he wants to shy away from the line like perhaps which to be fair actually probably can't blame him because the the spotlight has been very much on him and there has been a lot of pressure so um yeah he very much is just all part of the FPL drama this season. I should probably just try and finish on a positive note because actually, you reminded me that we did have a few additional bits and bobs sort of pop out of the uh, um, the Twitter sphere this morning. And the other one is more positive. Um, according to Time Sport, uh, Spurs are optimistic about Madison's knee injury not being serious, uh, and optimistic about him being able to face Liverpool uh, on Saturday. He has trained on the grass, um, and um, he has had some tests earlier this week. So, fingers crossed. We get a more positive update on him later on because we're going to need at least one of these yellow flags to disappear before the weekend. It looks like maybe Madison, fingers crossed, could be mm-hmm. uh, one who's going to come through. So, But do, do, of course, keep an eye on obviously, you know That's come from Sports. So, um, you know, I'd rather hear it from the manager uh, from the horse's mouth. But yeah, so that's probably a good one, right? <laughs> There's one piece of hope in this
0: video of depression uh, around injuries. Yeah, but... We we already had Saka and Madison going into these midweek games, so if we can get positive news on both of them, Saka, I don't know, is, is is maybe a bit more nervousness about him. Mm, yeah, not being than Madison, and he's that. owned by a lot of people, so that that's going to drastically change transfer plans if if we hear something. Yeah, because they have sure. a, after this game, Arsenal have Man City as well, so it could be seen as a good time to take him out if there ever is one yeah that ever was going to be a time to sell him I was looking at him
1: as a season keeper but maybe not the way things are going but yeah, as I said, keep an eye on that team news video. It's going to be very, very important for your transfer um, uh, policy for this particular game week. Uh, if you've liked this video, don't forget to, uh, to, to hit the like button and hit the subscribe and uh, hit that bell notification as well because we will also tonight, Thursday night, we will have another episode of Deadline Dilemmas with Rich and Praz. Me and Mark today, we've kind of largely just focused on information exchange and we've sort of tried to pass on as much as we know about the current situation, both in terms of rotations, injuries, etc. Uh, if you've got some additional questions about strategies for your team, Perhaps some flow charts in your head, like if this guy's fit and that guy's injured, I'll go for him, all that sort of stuff. Rich and Praz will be able to give that to you uh, later on tonight at 9 o'clock. They're always very, very useful anyway, two high-performing managers there, of course. But Praz especially is very, very good for his his flow charts that help with those transfers as we, we move into Saturday and potential for bits and bobs about team news to come through so if that's the sort of thing you want you want to take this information you've learned today turn it into some strategy make sure you don't miss deadline dilemmas tonight because it's probably again the most important episode of that this season with all those injuries so make sure you check that out um and uh, yeah we'll have all the rest of the content um as per usual q a deadline stream coming up uh as well but with that i shall leave you fine folks to the rest of your fretting over your yellow flags and we shall see you next time
0: bye